I'd like to make this dance more accessible, accessible to people who don't see the potential in it. As this was my case, as a person growing up, I didn't see any potential there. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Belladance Live podcast. I'm your host, Jana Komarnitska, and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Belladance art form. Plus, I really like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. Cross-training is the key to successful dancing. It may sound shocking, but it's true, especially if you don't see improvement in your skills. And why not cross-train doing what you already love? Sharky, the belly dance workout is what happens when authentic belly dance meets high-energy fitness. Sharky builds endurance for your gigs, stamina for your technique, and strength and flexibility to prevent injuries. From cardio and core to strength and stretch, their membership has everything you need to dance your best. Both live online and recorded options are available. Try them out for only $5 for the first week. They guarantee that you'll love their workouts and supportive community. Join now at sharky.com slash online, S-H-A-R-Q-U-I dot com slash online, direct link in the show notes. The season of Cairo interviews in person is officially open. Yes, I will be spending quite a lot of time in Cairo and in Egypt in general, probably bigger part of summer, if not the whole summer. And I'm planning to take the full advantage of being here, meeting all beautiful dancers, connecting them, and doing interviews in person. And I'm very excited to open this chapter of the Ballet Dance Live podcast with our first in-person interview in Cairo with Amy Sultan. She's an Egyptian ballet dancer and classical ballerina. She was born and grew up in Singapore to an Egyptian family that was working extensively in Southeast Asia. Having established herself first as a successful ballet dancer, she was touring across the world, performing in Swan Lake, La Baidere, Raimonda, and many other shows. In her quest to add a new layer to her dance repertoire, it is Amy's goal as a performance artist to restore the glamour and brilliance of the ballet dance technique that was in its height in the 1940s and 50s. And in our today's conversation, we will talk exactly about that. We will discuss how Amy transitioned from a professional ballet career to a ballet dance world, about difficulties of being a dancer in Egypt, not just ballet dancer, but any kind of dancer. And of course, we will talk a lot about Amy's mission of popularizing this dance and making it more accessible to local people, changing their opinion, bringing this dance to institutions such as museums, creating Tarab Collective, creating Taksim Institute, both of which have the same mission and goal and of course, we also will talk about insights of the ballet dance world and how each of ballet dancer, both Egyptian and foreign, can on micro level change the bigger picture. Because very often, certain actions, certain behaviors, they affect the reputation of dance. And some of them are even less obvious than what is popular discussions are about. So all of this we will discuss in our today's conversation. And of course... A little bit more. I hope you will enjoy it. Don't forget at the end to screenshot, share with your friends or a friend. Let us know what you think and hope to hear from you soon. Jelena and Belladance Evolution are back, taking their show and programs across the globe. You know how many guests we had previously on this podcast shared how much the experience with BDE pushed their dance career. You can have it too. Audition for Jelena's latest production and join Jungle Book cast. All details at www.joinbde.com. Direct link in the show notes, joinbde.com. 
it's such a pleasure and honor to meet you in person. I'm here and uh, I'm very happy that you agreed to participate in the interview. It's uh, really exciting for me. For me, it's the very first in-person interview in Cairo since I arrived. So thank you so much for agreeing to participate and welcome to our program. <laughs> thank you for coming to Tatsim Institute. Uh, it's nice to meet you and uh, I'm happy to see where this is going. <laughs> yeah, like the, I'm really impressed already so far with the venue, like what you organized. But okay, let's start from the, you know, let's not rush. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I want first to talk about your personal story. How did you got involved in belly dance like when was the first point of contact or maybe you will remember that thought like oh i want to study more or i want to work with belly dance where you consider was the beginning of your journey with belly dance um well being egyptian i've had a journey since the day i was born with this dance because you know in in egypt it's really part of our culture um i i was not born in egypt i was born in singapore and I grew up there. But because we were expats in a foreign country, we were very attached to Egypt. So like in the summer vacations or, you know, any holidays, my mother would always come to Cairo and buy those old video cassettes of like Soher Zaki and Nagwa Fouad and all these like old dancers that they used to sell like in the 80s and the 70s. And she would take them home and she would practice all the time with these videos, you know, and she would throw like Galabea parties for her Egyptian friends who also lived in Singapore. So it was a really very Egyptian community. Like, uh, you know, we were really trying to connect to Egypt. And then finally, you know, we used to come to Egypt sometimes for three or four months. And during this time, I see the movies and I loved the the movies that had the dancing scenes. I loved Samia Gamel and Naim Aikif. And I just found these movies magical. And for us, for me growing up, you know, this was black and white movies and I could never connect to that because what I knew about belly dancing in Egypt as an Egyptian growing up in a middle class family was that it's a very shameful thing to do and it's only practiced in very dangerous places as we saw in the newer films, the, the ones that we can connect with, with our, in our time. Uh, that, you know, the, the belly dancer always gets killed in the end or, you know, she's the girlfriend of a drug dealer. There's always like this twist in these movies. And, you know, we, I just I could never connect to it anymore. I could only connect to the old movies, but then they were black and white and it was like a past period of time. So there was never like any connection to it. Of course, in the meantime, I had started my ballet training. I, I was trained to become a professional ballerina. I knew I wanted to dance since I was a very young age. So um, I was in a professional uh, style academy preparing for it to become professional. And, you know, this was very rigorous training. So, of course, over the years, the ballet training really took over my life. And I had kind of lost contact with this dance. But, of course, it was always coming up in our family mm -hmm. gatherings like every birthday i was recently looking at a home video of my fourth birthday party where we had it in cairo and all of my aunts were like you know uh, wearing the the belts you know and dancing everybody was dancing and then someone ended up putting a belt on me i was four years old and i started dancing and this is how it always ends up in egypt in any family gathering so of course it was like there was always this connection but never uh, with a goal to be professional because in there was never a possibility it's already very difficult to be a professional dancer in egypt like a ballerina or a contemporary dancer but then this dance is also so disconnected from our section of the society that there really was no no way to even imagine that this could happen and so um for years i i was preparing for the ballet career and i i ended up you know becoming a professional ballerina um Every now and then I would, you know, of course, reminisce about, you know, the this beautiful form of dance, which I had no connection to. And, uh, you know, we used to have these like beautiful shows that used to come during Ramadan, like the Fawazir. And I, I loved those, you know, they were enchanting for me because they were a combination of so many styles of dance, including the baladi dance. So it was baladi and ballet, contemporary, modern, jazz, whatever. And, you know, for us, you know, living in Egypt, we, we didn't have very good television at the time. So we used to wait for this to come. And it was like, 
uh, an event, you know? Um, so again, always this little connection with the dance, but no access. And um, as I grew older uh, and I became a professional, eventually I, as I really had become very professional and I you know, started touring and doing all these things, I, uh, I had had an injury, and uh, a ballet injury, which is common for us, but this one was, you know, it did require a surgery. And it was kind of a moment where, you know, I healed, I went back, I was doing physio, I, and I came back to the ballet and I was fine. I bounced right back within six months. But um, I, I kind of started to question my, my career and my future because in the ballet, you retire from the ballet or you start thinking about retirement like from your 30s because, you know, you have to stop your life and start all over again with a new life. And I wasn't so sure I wanted to do that. I, I didn't want to, you know, retrain for a career and become like a, um, I don't know, a school teacher or, a, you know, something administrative or, you know, those are usually, this is what happens or you end up teaching dance or you become a choreographer. And in Egypt, um, we don't really let, to be honest, we don't have good dance training. We only have one ballet academy and it was, it's under the government. So if you're not in that system from when you're very young, you're not part of it. Um, and then we have like the little hobby schools, like for kids who go do ballet twice a week, which was not my, my level. And so it just, I felt like I was falling through the cracks a bit in the ballet world in Egypt. And of course, uh, I started to think, you know, some ballet dancers retire and become contemporary dancers. But in Egypt, we also don't have a contemporary dance scene. So and, you know, in Europe, yeah, they could invite me to go do some guest artist work as a ballerina. But the budgets in the contemporary dance are much lower. So, you know, again, who's going to invite an Egyptian dancer to go do contemporary dance in Europe? So it was a bit like, you know, I was a bit thinking about the future, the next five to 10 years, what's going to happen? Where am I going? And, you know, during this time, I was on a trip to Turkey and uh, I was at the time dating a, a German uh, man who decided on a whim to take his Egyptian girlfriend to an Egyptian night in Turkey. So he took me to a cabaret in Istanbul, which was my first time ever to see a cabaret in real life because living in Egypt, my family had always forbidden, you know, this like kind of outing and we always considered it dangerous. And, you know, so going to Turkey to see a, like a live cabaret show was a beautiful experience. I discovered that, you know, this theater was, it was more like a theater and it was very, very beautiful the way they, they showed the dancing and all the decorations were Egyptian. Even the music they danced to was Egyptian. So it was like, for me, an awakening because, you know, we in Egypt don't offer this kind of entertainment mm -hmm. so that a foreign person would appreciate the Egyptian art that way was really a, like a very beautiful moment. Wow, what a coincidence of things, you know, like traveling, yeah. meeting different people and bringing like back to a piece of Egyptian culture, but like in, in Turkey. And yeah. that was a turning point for you to decide to go professionally with ballet dance? Well, it was the beginning. For one thing, it was to me just very like there was this moment where it was just very um, funny that a German person in Turkey would introduce the Egyptian girl to her own, <laughs> you know, cultural practice somehow. And then, you know, when I, I when we were just like kind of sitting in this uh, cabaret and I was enchanted by what I saw and, you know, they pull you up on stage and you start dancing. Then when I started dancing, they just thought I was so like good because, you know, I'm from the country. They asked me where I'm from. I told them I'm from Egypt and they all were like, oh, of course, you know, and it was really funny for me. But, you know, uh, I had a, we were having a conversation after this incident and he was like, why don't you do this? Like, you know, as the next career step. And I told him, no, I can't do that. That would be crazy. It would destroy my life and my family's reputation. And, uh, you know, it would completely um, like diminish, you know, uh, me as a person in this society. And he was like, yes, yes, but, you know, you can change that. <laughs> You're different, <laughs> you know. And it was, he, you know, him being an outsider looking in, he had an inside. And I was like, okay, you know, I just said that. Uh -huh. 
And then I went back to Egypt and I started looking for classes. And I, you know, to my realization, there are no classes for Egyptian baladi dancing in Egypt. Because, you know, people here, they either, uh, you know, Egyptians, they, they learn it from there. I mean, they're, we all know it from when we're young and we just do it. Or it's foreign people who go to the festivals. And I hadn't really known that there was even, because, you know, we Egyptians don't know that these festivals happen. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's really geared towards, like, the foreign community. And um, I didn't know about it. So I, I, I just, for a year, I was looking for classes and couldn't find, you know, I would ask at the different dance schools. People look at me like I'm weird, you know. And then um, finally, I uh, uh, went... Uh, to uh, oh, a friend of mine from Brazil, she was a dancer, came to Cairo, she was a ballerina, and she invited me to go watch uh, a show of a friend of hers who was a Brazilian belly dancer in a hotel. And that's where, you know, I met this girl and I asked her who her teacher was and she said, it's Ra'ya Hassan, you should go to the Ahlan Sahlan festival. And I, I mean, I was shocked to find out that there are these festivals happening all year and, you know. So I, 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 she gave me the number of Ra'i Hassan and I did call her. She, and actually, as it happened, uh, a festival was happening, like starting the next day. So I called Ra'i and she was like, we're starting now, you should come. And I did. I went and I signed up for all the workshops and I started taking the workshops. And after the festival was over, I realized, you know, I wanted to continue my training. So I, I spoke with Madame Raya and I, I started taking private classes with her. For me, the private classes were very expensive, extremely expensive. And, um, you know, uh, I, I started to think, how can I finance this? Like, you know, to continue taking my classes and developing myself. So I thought maybe I could work. So then I approached Madame Rakia and I said uh, that I, you know, I want to start like working about this like how can I begin actually being a professional you know mm -hmm. so she was like well you know first you need to start practicing like with the live tabla and you know then we can start maybe finding you work and you know she was like don't work in a cabaret work in like automatically work in a hotel or in a like one of the boats like don't go to the cabaret so I, I took her advice and, you know, I started looking for different venues and, you know, again, uh, you know, I, this all happened in the space of six months. So I was very uneducated about the life of this career style. So being a ballerina, I had this image in my head. Well, you know, the ballet, you know, we finish early. I could just finish my ballet and go off to uh, a belly dancing gig afterwards. And I didn't realize, you know, oh, I was so like underweight for to be in a belly dancer. I was 10 kilos lighter than I am now or yeah, 12 kilos lighter than I am now. So I was really thin. I was the ballet body and uh, I didn't look anything like what I should look like as a belly dancer or what people expect and you know at that time the very famous stars when I started were really like enhanced with surgery and you know the tattoos the eyebrows the makeup that that's tattooed on their face and the the wigs and it was very like everything was enhanced so I, I didn't look anything like that so every time I would go like audition for someone or, or meet someone like an owner of a boat, they would refuse me immediately and say that I just don't, shouldn't even bother seriously. And in fact, the first boat I went to eventually became after three months, the first boat I was hired in, but by another uh, manager or something. like another owner of another venue on the boat. And then that's that venue that made me actually a very big star. And then eventually the other venue that refused me wanted to hire me. And then I was able to tell them, no, I'm not interested. But it was a very interesting turn of events that, you know, I didn't really have the look that they that that was around at the time, uh, trendy at the time. I was completely different. I was trying to go for a vintage look like I used to see in the movies, you know, the old movies. So I was wearing, you know, and even the costumes I was making for myself because I was de designing my own costumes. Um, the designers were having difficulty creating the designs because they had been so outdated for so long and the old people who had the old patterns had died and, you know, it was difficult to, you know, recreate that because they were, at that time, the fashion was the really tight, like, Lycra costumes, 
you know, with the really tight skirts, that this was like the really big trend when I started. And I, I didn't want to look like that. I wanted to look like the movies that I saw. So it was a process trying to find this look. And then, you know, I would go with it to the agents or to the managers or the owners of the venues and they'd refuse it completely. They're like, oh, no, no, no. This is so old and outdated. We're not doing that now. You need to look like this. And they would show me a picture of someone, you know, and it wasn't me at all. So um, that's how that started. And then eventually I had a, I knew someone who was, had a friend who was opening like the really, really like biggest venue in Egypt that was geared to like the highest uh, level audience. And um, that guy wanted a new face. He didn't want anything that was available. So it was just the right fit. Like I went to meet him and then, you know, he really liked what I was doing and I eventually got hired and I I mean I can literally say like within a month it was just like booming my career was like on full blast within a month of getting hired well I can already listening from this short part of the story can say definitely it's a destiny like from the meeting a German person who will bring you to Egyptian like a cabaret in Turkey to uh, go into Ahlan or Sahlan festival the day before it starts mm-hmm. to like this feat that, uh, of the um, restaurant uh, the, um, the venue that you just mentioned but it's very interesting because I was thinking possible to bring it up there was something that caught my eye um, before then I was kind of thinking preparing like for our conversation and but I didn't expect it would come up from this perspective because on your Instagram your main tag is dancing for your souls mm-hmm. not your eyes Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just related for what you were already sharing beginning mm-hmm. of your career, but it is known that um, not only in Egypt, in many other like Arabic countries, like whenever dancers go dancing contract, it's very often more important the photography rather than video of how their actual performance, how they dance. So it's a lot. Uh, I don't know, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but it's just not like. It just mm-hmm. what it is reality that this art is very much connected to the visual picture of what we see, like not mm-hmm. necessarily what we are. Uh, why did you felt important to put it literally like on your Instagram bio or Instagram tag, like that specific line? Was it about beginning of your career that you were talking or was it something else like afterwards that kind of inspired you to go into that direction, you know, like to give that message like like boldly like right away the first thing you read about you on instagram it's that line well it, it was many factors actually that that uh, that led to to this but this is actually how i feel about dancing in general i mean uh, this was how i danced even in the ballet even in the contemporary dance so i've, I've done all these styles i've trained in tap dance I've, I've trained in every kind of dance but um in all dance, it is very important to to be dancing from the soul and not be thinking about how you look to the audience. This is like the most important thing. You know, we work on technique for for to develop the technique, but in the end, we don't use the technique as a tool to trick the audience and you never will be able to. So it's a very, very important um, part of my practice. Uh, and I, I felt myself because it's so easy to get swallowed in this, uh, you know, because if everybody around you is doing it, it becomes really like toxic, you know, and the, the environment was toxic when I started. In fact, um, you know, I, I became what really helped me and I'm very lucky. And that's why I, I really try to use my privilege to help others or to create awareness is because I was very lucky that within a month of starting to work because of many factors that really helped me out, I became very well known. So I was able to have a say in how I want to look, how I want to be featured, how I want to appear and what, what I believe this should be about. Mm -hmm. But that my vision was very different than everybody around. And, um, you know, of course, it's always, yeah, give them a little of what they want, but I can sneak in also what I want. And, you know, it was always this constant fight, fight, fight for everything I believe in, everything I want. But um, in the end of the day, people here really do uh, uh, look at this dance as a, it's, it's a form of objectification of women in the Eastern, Middle Eastern world. They do see women who dance in general, not even belly dancing, even if you're doing ballet they see 
it as, you know, objectification. It's just because ballet is not popular in the Middle Eastern world that, you know, we don't hear these comments about ballerinas. The opera house is very limited seating. It's the people who want to go to the opera who go to the opera. So the 90 or the 100 million uh, people who live in Egypt don't really have a connection to the ballet as they do to this dance, which is part of our soul. It's everybody's doing it. So that's why you will not hear comments about ballerinas like you hear about belly dancers. But in the end, people feel the same way about it. If they were to see the ballet and they were to see this, it's equally as bad, maybe even worse, because also the ballet includes partnering, men lifting women, uh, love scenes, you know, that actually don't exist in our dance. So it's even worse for them. But we don't hear that because they don't have that connection to it. But, you know, at the end of the day, and coming from this culture, uh, women who are performers are commodities, sexual commodities. And um, we can say society's changing, although I, I, I would really be reluctant to say that because um, it, no matter what area of society you're looking at, if you were to approach a father who is booking a dancer for his wedding and tell him, you know, would your daughter, would you allow your daughter to, to have this career, he would never allow it. And it's actually ridiculous that you would have to go to the father and tell him to allow his daughter to have any career she wishes, she should be able to choose the career she wishes. So we're actually that disconnected, you know, from the big picture, you know? And, um, you know, these are all factors that separate the Middle Eastern world very much from the Western world. And so when you have, you know, people practicing in the, in the Middle East versus people practicing the same practice in the West, their approach is very different. And um, this is why I just feel that it's really important to say something like, you know, I dance for your soul, not your eyes, because it really is how I feel. And, you know, if someone is trying to hire me for a purpose, it's because they're hiring me for what I stand for, not for how I look or how they feel I should look or what they expect. And, you know, I see ridiculous things happening sometimes. Uh, you know, I've reached a level now where I refuse so much work and I really uh, root out the things I don't like. And I, I just, I don't need to now. I, you know, I have like, I'm going into a completely different space as an artist. I'm performing in institutions and things like that. So I don't need to accept uh, someone choosing my costumes for me that I'm going to dance in at their daughter's wedding. I'm not their Barbie to be dressed. And, you know, these are subtle things that you may not mind. You're trying to accommodate people. and But then you realize, you know, would they do this with a male singer? Would they tell him wear the suit when you're singing in the wedding? No. But they will be like, oh, we really love this costume. Can you wear it? Yeah. And that's, that's not right. There's something very wrong about someone specifically asking you for a specific costume, you know, because again, when we are as artists working on our shows, we have many different factors. I can't wear a very revealing costume if I'm going to do splits, for example, in one of the dances. Um, one of, you know, I, my first set might be really classic and my second set might be really modern. And, you know, the costume for this is different than the costume for that. And I have to factor that in with the, you know, the mood of the music. They don't understand these things. To them, it's just, you know, I'm bringing Barbie in to perform. I'll dress her the way I like. And I do not accept this, for example, um, it's happened from wedding planners, it's happened from mothers of brides, it's happened from couples who are getting married, and, and it's common. And people, you know, in the, um, in the beginning, they, they accept it thinking, oh, I'm just being accommodating. But, you know, you realize that it's actually, you're encouraging a, something really, like you're opening a can of worms you really don't want to be doing, you know. So that's why. <laughs> it's interesting how... Um... In Cairo, many dancers who start uh, performing career like gigs, and especially those who get successful uh, quickly or with time, um, that's my just personal impression. But I have impression that many of them get sort of like sucked into this like gigs life, like performance here, there, there, and it just becomes the lifestyle. Like it's only performances every day, four or five shows or whatever. It's uh, with no weekends, and. Uh, your 
taking slightly different path because you're not doing just performances like your activities expanded to many different projects and even currently you have like what some of the projects are uh, i know have tarab collective and you have taksim institute which actually opened just uh, recently mm -hmm. and uh, we have a pleasure right now being here recording this interview um so when was that you mentioned you started uh, performing because you wanted to finance your classes. Uh, when was that point that you start wanted to expand beyond just performances, like uh, doing some other activities? Uh, it actually started very early on. I was actually at the height of my fame, like when I suddenly became like really well known and, you know, I was very unhappy. Um, it was one of the unhappiest times in my life I had become like a machine performing six weddings a night and you know going from one city to the other on the same night trying to get all the work done and of course there was one part where yeah okay I'm strong enough now to support myself and to say no and you know to put some ground rules but at the same time I was also in this constant like um uh, you know I'm not I'm not getting out of this cycle so I'm not developing my career. It's the same music at every gig. It's the same hits. It's the same. Uh, I can't really do the music that I like. You know, I love Tarab. I love, uh, you know, unless I have a hotel gig, which, you know, also not all the hotel, the hotels also want to get into this trend of, you know, getting this rowdy music so that, you know, the more the rowdy the music is, the more people drink, the more money they spend. It's all very commercial. And um, it just became for me very uh, depressing because I wanted to perform a certain way. And I wasn't, I, I was performing very well, but in a completely different direction. So starting 2018 or 19, I started to develop this plan that I want to slowly um, get into performing in institutions or, you know, in artistic venues, theaters. And this was a challenge all on its own, because as I got out of, you know, I got into the cycle well, for one thing, the COVID hit, but also it gave me a chance to really develop the project and to put a plan together. But also um, I realized that the institutions do not accept this dance in their institutions because of its association with nightlife and drinking and alcohol and all these taboo things that are, you know, really looked down upon in Egyptian society. So uh, the official institutions don't want to have anything to do with this dance. So then I realized I have to devise a plan to try and break into these institutions. So it, it was a process. But you actually did at least the first steps because you just recently had performance with your group at museum. I had two performances at the museum. I had one myself in December and then I did also manage to get my students of Tassim Institute into the museum to do another performance, which was a completely different performance than the one I did. And how much was those performances related to what we call ballet dance or raksharki, or was it more because of its institution, museums, it had to be more towards like, you know, folkloric or maybe contemporary style, like how was difficult, how easy or difficult was to um, sort of create the concept and discuss the concept of performance with institution and museum and um, how much you had to tailor specifically your idea and your initial, you know, what you want to do to the format of uh, event institution and their expectations of what they want to see at the event. Actually, uh, we created a formula that, you know, suited the dramatic uh, treatment of the performance. And, you know, we are all very happy with it. It was actually very successful. So this was actually very easy. The difficult part was actually running it through the institutions. And, you know, we managed, of course, you know, you have to understand this is part of a much bigger project we're doing. Um, you know, so it, when we were, were approaching people, it wasn't just that we want to dance in your institution. You know, we're trying to give this dance a place, which is actually from Egypt in Egyptian culture. Mm -hmm. So we you know we were able to manage to come up with the right formula that worked for everyone. And creating specifically this place, this venue, Taksim Institute, what was the mission or vision? Uh, because I have a strong feeling it's not just like, you know, a typical dance school, like there is a really strong um, concept and vision 
behind it that you put and you decided actually to open such thing as like you know the your own venue your own institute like taksim institute that you're running like what was the um what what vision do you have for this place um for me it was uh creating a, a space that was safe for women to practice this dance because women don't feel safe going to a cabaret to experience this dance so i wanted to create a space where they could actually feel that you know i, I can come here and learn without being judged mm -hmm. and another thing it's the fact that you know we try to um we take this very seriously so actually we give scholarships to students who can't afford to take classes and in order for students to be accepted they go through a very rigorous Uh, like auditioning process and it's just not, not just the audition it's the acceptance process like you know they have to write a three-page report on why they feel they deserve this scholarship and what they plan on giving back to the dance world after they finish the process plus they're committed to the institute for five years after they finish the program so you know we are really like you know creating a community of serious dancers who take this not as a commercial practice but as you know an art form that they really are very passionate about we want to make sure that we're you know because there is this common practice here in egypt of women who go take belly dance classes at the gym and it's just because you know they want to you know post a selfie on their instagram feed or just tell their friends for fun oh i took a belly dance class so they can get some reactions and you know we're not really here for for this category of people we're here more for people who really seriously want to take the stance as a career and don't know where to start and don't want to go through that maze of managers and agents and you know mm. so it's it's a it's a very different approach to dance and you uh, do you tailor it more towards uh, uh, local people local women or it is, is tailored to local people because we're trying to encourage the local scene of dance i mean we offer classes for everyone but the scholarships are for, are for local people who want to take classes and how do you approach this topic of what we literally discovered in uh, egypt society it's like this love-hate relationship with this uh, art form so um It's not only about people's decision, oh, I want to dance or I want to take it to my profession. It's the whole, like, you know, the whole picture, the whole baggage of, like, of family reaction, the reputation of dance. Like, how easy it is actually to promote this kind of, like, approach and venue and find people who uh, would be not only interested, because many people will want, but there are all these, like, you know, blocks and barriers, uh, poss possible barriers on the terms of, like, oh, committing to really taking it beyond just, like, a fun hobby or, like, a class at the gym, like, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's not an easy process. We actually only, well, we, we've had about six students enrolled in the scholarship program. One of them was expelled from the program because of behavioral uh, issues. Mm -hmm. And we have no problem expelling people from the program if they're not fit to, you know, finish it through to the end respectfully. And um, one of them uh, couldn't. It was very difficult for her. She just couldn't go through with it. She was falling apart, like physically, emotionally, mentally. The whole thing was very difficult. So she had to leave. But, you know, we've had four that graduated and they performed at the museum. So, you know, it's all about sticking through to the end to see. And, you know, it's like that in every dance form. I mean, in, in Ballet Institute, it's no easier. You have a class of, I don't know, uh, 30, 40 people, and then only two end up joining a ballet company. Mm -hmm. It's it's like that. It's a very competitive world. It's, it's very... Um, Not just that it's competitive, it's also, it requires a lot of dedication, it requires, you know, uh, discipline. So if you're not fit for it, then you, you shouldn't be part of it. And how does the program look like? Is it like uh, every day uh, uh, some activities? Is it like several times per week? Like uh, how... Because you have a very strong, like, you know, vision and it's not just a dance class that, oh, just come, like, drop mm -hmm. in, let's play, like, do technique or learn some choreography. It's an actual program. So how do you structure in terms like, uh, is it just technique? Is it just choreographies? Is it just lectures? Is it daily activity for people? Uh, they learn every, every style of, like, Egyptian 
traditional dance and also um it, it's a it's like we we do four days a week unless we have we're rehearsing for a show then we're practicing every day but uh the classes are four days a week so it's four days out of the week that they spend here and you, you know we kind of group them together so that it's all like in one block and um it's very intense but you know if you're up to it you will pass Mm-hmm. And I know that your uh, institute is actually UNESCO certified. It's certified by the CID, which mm-hmm. is the International Dance Council of the UNESCO. UNESCO doesn't personally certify anything. Right. Yes. And right. this was actually an issue in communication when we first opened. Um, we had a, a huge miscommunication that journalists were, were posting about us opening and being UNESCO certified, which was actually a problem because, you know, It's as if we are making some kind of false claim. And that was absolutely not true. We have always stated we have our certificate is hanging everywhere. We, we've posted it even online. So we're very transparent about our process. This is the CID or the International Council of Dance, which is the only official dance uh, council that is uh, related to UNESCO, that UNESCO receives counsel from on any dance-related items. So it is quite high up there but unesco does not deal with entities mm-hmm. it deals with governments so we are under the cid for that reason so um yes we are certified we we actually renew our certification every year and the students who uh, finish the program also get certified why was it important for me for you to get this uh, certification and uh, uh, was it easy or was it difficult to Uh, it was a, it was a process but I uh, feel that this you, this particular entity for me is uh, very important because of its relation to um, UNESCO that it honors the 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 UN mandates of like you know uh, respect for everyone um, uh, no racism, uh, you know, all of the, the things under the UN mandate. And I, you know, I just think, you know, instead of us doing a commercial, uh, getting some kind of commercial certification where it's just about technique or you have to uh, finish a competition and win a prize or no, this is more like, you know, it accepts people uh, diversity and we are have a very diverse group of students. They're all like shapes and sizes and colors because in the end it's basically about their talent and their ability their discipline to continue the program rather than what they look like so again we are always focused more on the core of the matter which is you know the soul of of why we're dancing rather than you know dancing for entertainment <laughs> mm, that's amazing uh, and i Phil, I also must ask, because uh, most of our listeners, they will be international, they are not uh, living in Egypt, but uh, is there any opportunities or any possibilities for uh, international like foreign dancers who uh, may be coming to Cairo from time to time to come and study? Is, uh, is Taksim Institute is just the program that you have been talking about, or is there any possibilities to take some classes here for someone who is not living but coming like from time to time, uh, specifically for foreigners? Of course, we've actually done this before. Uh, we've had uh, international students come in and uh, study with, with our students because our students are now certified and they teach. And uh, we, we've actually had a, a very successful uh, ra- you know, rounds of uh, people coming in and taking the full course with them. So uh, it's, it's actually open to even the foreign community. Uh, we just don't give scholarships, like the chance to study for free, except for locals. But otherwise, anyone can come to that seam and take classes. We, we have you know, people from all walks of life coming in. We have all kinds of nationalities that have been here. So it's a very diverse place. Mm. And what kind of vision do you have, like personal for yourself and for your career? You briefly mentioned, but if to go deeper into that topic. Well, I'm really now focusing on being more on the institutional side of things, which I'm enjoying more. I like that way of working. I'm used to the discipline and, you know, the daily rehearsals and the, you know, I don't want to do these like one-off gigs where I'm just like, you know, doing a wedding and then running to the next wedding and then going to a club. I still do that because, you know, why not? I mean, there's a, a very big demand for it. I'm very selective about where I go now. I don't do it as often because again, I'm also very busy with this project. So I have to really divide my time mm-hmm. wisely. 
but I am going more towards this and I'm also touring a lot. I'm, I'm doing a lot of international work as well. And uh, how did your relationship with uh, dance festivals developed? Uh, you stopped mentioning about international work, but you also earlier mentioned that you were surprised to discover so many uh, festivals uh, uh, here. This I don't really know actually, but have you ever had the idea of organizing like your festival here or something like that? Or it got transformed more like, okay, Taksim Institute, that's the vision and maybe something later like that. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always like, I always think big. <laughs> so I never think about like, you know, a festival or like a, you know, an event. I always think more like, you know, like uh, on a much bigger scale. I just, it, it's my, I'm very dramatic. <laughs> I'm very extreme, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna change the the way you know. Like this is oh, that's awesome. It's, yeah, it's... but you know, for me, like festivals are. I, I really benefit from the festivals, but I just feel that they're a bit commercial for my personal taste or where I am in in my career. I I'm. I, maybe if a good festival comes along, I wouldn't say no. But I just really feel that. I don't like the idea of the competition that happens at the end of the festival. Uh, I feel that, um, you know, just because someone won that day doesn't mean that they are necessarily the best dancer. So I just don't feel that a competition in this kind of dance, especially because this dance is very untechnical. This dance is very emotional. It's very soulful. Um, it's not like ballet. Ballet has specific rules. And so if you're, you know, the more the better you go in that direction the better you are true and especially because in the festival they don't present drama they present a variation or a solo that shows your technical ability but in a in a baladi dance festival i don't think this is the a good format for this dance to be presented I don't like the idea of you know we judge based on the music and the costume and the technique because there's so much music, so many different styles, so many different ways to approach technique. And, you know, to have such a limited view of that is, for me, just not really the best way to go about it. Mm, that's interesting. And uh, um, I was also curious, like, have you ever had the vision of your own festival? How, how would you do your festival if you, let's, let's say, imagine? Well, I don't think I would do a festival. I think no. it would, no. I mean, I, I, I'm more interested in, um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'd like to make this dance more accessible, mm. more um, accessible to people who don't, see the potential in it as as it was for this was my case as a person growing up I didn't see any potential there I didn't see any accessibility there so I didn't approach it although I, I should have but I didn't because I didn't have this access so I just feel that I should be giving access to as many people as possible to experience the true soul of this dance so if I do a festival I'm again limiting this you know crowd and i don't i want to break outside of this um format you know mm. i just thought maybe like an idea who knows maybe for the future because in some uh countries and i'm sure in egypt too there are different festivals not dance festivals but some mm -hmm. festivals that are more for mainstream like for open public and they like i don't this is a very very random uh, comparison and very not like related a, a Coachella like for belly dance festival in Germany like you know like yeah. this would be, so it would be cool well, maybe one day we one can do a Coachella for, for, <laughs> for belly dance that would be cool no, no, actually yeah. yes but it's also fascinating to hear how you like thinking big it's really important to have people who like you know have these big huge visions and uh, even if they may sound like a kind of almost like crazy like i want to change everything but uh, it's important to go in that direction and i feel you're managing not only with this recent performances in the museums that you actually uh start doing it and I'm sure there will be more uh, coming soon, but you also became influence for other people who are also institutions. I know there was some uh, university research uh, mm -hmm. project that was talking about evolution of costumes and the work was literally called from Badia Masabni to Amin Sultan, like the research mm -hmm. and the evolution of costumes. And it's uh, people get inspired by what you do. By the way, uh, 
how did you felt about that work when you discovered that you know someone was doing research and literally your name is on the title like you know it's uh, uh, not just like mentioned somewhere mm-hmm. it's like the two points from Vadimasavni to today and today you are like that person chose you as the the signature of today's uh, costume evolution like how did you feel about that Uh, this was a, a beautiful moment for me. I'm very happy that young people in Egypt, uh, local Egyptians, are taking an interest and in breaking ground in their universities and the educational system with these uh, projects. This is for me the, the, the vision that I have. Like this is where I feel that I can make the most difference, you know, with like, you know, if, I, if we're breaking ground, if we're being mentioned in universities, in spaces where people are ha- having like a learning experience, where that's where this dance really needs to go. So that's why I don't really think about the idea of like, you know, the festivals and this commercial stuff. It's happening anyway, so it doesn't really need me to be part of it. You know, I could if, you know, if my mood strikes or, you know, if I like the country where the festival is happening. But, you know, like it's not really like part of my vision. So, yeah, of course, this was a very fulfilling moment. Actually, I've, I, I've been the subject of many uh, dissertations and researches. This wasn't the only this is a recent one. But um, it's, it's, you know, it's been interesting to see the evolution of how the educational system is now allowing this to happen mm. and um, I'm very grateful for that your main focus is definitely on uh, popularizing this art form but also empowering women here in Egypt to take that path or at least to follow their interest and we talked a lot about it uh, I mean I'm sure in the bigger scale we talked very little, but most of our conversation today was about that. And yet I want to ask, uh, like, Sky, I mean, slowly to, to close an hour to this interview, but I do want to ask, do you feel any impulse or any message to say specifically to foreign dancers who do approach this art form, although your main like vision and focus is like, let's say locally here, like in Egypt, popularizing it, but you still uh, have a lot of communication. You still see a lot of foreign dancers who come to Cairo, who come to Egypt, who are not coming, who are like just doing this practice, this art form. Is there anything that was recently maybe on your mind that you kind of felt like, oh, that's missing or like to direct people's attention or focus or something that maybe you see and you kind of want to Uh, spread awareness about like this or that you know i have been I, i i'm actually i love the idea that there are foreigners who come to cairo to practice this dance and become professional i think all dance forms all art forms should be accessible to everyone so yeah of course i think egyptians because they have the difficulties the the you know the family difficulties and the situations and all that you know i i work harder for them to have the access but you know it's nice that it's it, this is an internationally uh available art form for everyone it's like k-pop everybody loves k-pop you know so this is not a bad thing at all i just i've seen a lot of feuds between the foreign dancers and i think this is something that is really um it takes the dance backward mm-hmm. uh, you know it, everybody has their way um everybody can find their path so trying to put down someone else's path or to call out someone publicly uh about their path is not it, it doesn't benefit anyone in fact it makes this dance look really bad um again i relate to the ballet world which i come from it's been my, most of my life so i always have to i mean you know that you know there's a lot of competition in the ballet we all know that but at the end of the day We all know as ballerinas, when we're being trained by our teachers and our coaches, that we are working for something much higher than ourselves. And it's the art form that we are practicing. It's an institution that has been there for hundreds of years that we should respect. And so at the end of the day, all of these feuds happen in private, but never in public, because at the end, this is why people respect the institution of ballet. And, you know, here in Egypt, or, you know, the, the people who practice this dance, who a lot of them come to Egypt, Um, I feel that, you know, this idea of me, my career my, is very uh, bad for the institution. It's bad for the dancer who's doing it as well, because in the end, you're cutting down everything related to the world of this dance to where you reduce it down to nothing and people stop respecting it if they see these issues all the time 
being aired in public uh, for people who don't really belong to the community and don't know what is happening inside. So I, I wish I could see this not being, um, you know, I, I wish there could be a little more respect for the art of the dance and the institution of the dance that is actually even much more ancient than the ballet institution. <laughs> You know, if the ballet world was able to create an institution for something that has existed for 300 years, then we should be able to for something that has existed for thousands of years, you know. And it's a shame when I see this. I, I feel really uh, bad. I, I, I don't know, who, you know, what's happening, but I hear about them and I just wish that this wasn't happening. You know, this idea of attacking another person who's doing something differently than you or attacking them because they have a different opinion about the art form than you. It's art. It's, there's no right or wrong, you know? I hope one day we will change the concept of competition to the concept of collaboration and we start thinking about each other not as competitors but as a colleagues. <laughs> but exactly. And also again even if you don't really like each other that doesn't really matter it's about how much do you love this dance and how much do you care about this dance and what you should be doing for this dance this is a very short-sighted vision that is happening you know this uh uh you know trying to break down the other person it's very short-sighted it's very um you know this is not a high level of thinking you know if we have some vision we would think be thinking in a more broad and uh you know way of a broader vision of of how to develop the dance rather than break down people around us you know yes also true well in terms of uh, trying to connect this community everywhere around the world i would love to ask uh, before my final question i would like to ask you uh for our listeners what's the best way to follow your activities to connect with you uh do you have maybe your favorite social media platform or website like whichever wherever you feel you want to direct people who want to find out more and follow your activities um well unfortunately my facebook page was hacked last year i had two million followers which was a shame it just completely was uh, i was not able to get it back so i i i didn't even bother to create a new one it's my personal profile now that is available on facebook and people can follow that it's public and uh also of course there's my instagram uh amy sultan official um and i guess i i probably connect mostly on instagram again i'm also trying to steer away from social media because i feel that social media creates this um constant need for consumption i'm trying to again focus more on the uh the the actual uh essence of the work i'm doing and less on what it looks like i'm doing on social media so i i don't post as often as i used to and you know this has been a very therapeutic um practice for me as well um there are many forms of entertainment my instagram doesn't have to be one of them so I'm, i'm trying to stay away from that well i will definitely include links to your social media uh, still on the to the show notes of the episode so all listeners can uh go there and connect and um, possibly message you if someone is passing by cairo and take some classes or see any upcoming performances so links will be there and uh, i also want to thank you so much for your time, for agreeing to do this interview. I know you're very busy, so I also want to be mindful of time. I know we can talk hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. There's so much to discuss, but I want to be mindful of your time. And I want to thank you so much for agreeing to participate and to share the story. And to summarize our conversation, I have one traditional question, which I ask every single guest at the end of interview, regardless of what we talked. Mm-hmm. We briefly talked about this during conversation, but I still feel it would be a nice way to summarize our talk today. And the question is, what makes you fall in love huh, with belly dance, like Sharky, again and again, so you keep doing it for so many years? Um the the tarab i named my company tarab collective after it um i named the institute that seem institute because it's when we do that that seem that we reach the state of tarab this is the most important part of this dance this is the soul of the dance the reason why we are addicted this is why someone like umukasum is timeless why children listen to umukasum at this day and age that we're living in so um this is really what keeps me 
connected and grounded within the stance. I don't really care much for. I mean, they're all. I like all music, but I I really love the you know the traditional uh, beautiful uh, instruments that that seem inside the the original like authentic music. Uh, and really, this is what I what I look forward to when I'm dancing the most. This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.